This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. This is Brother Daniel F. Margasa of Amity Mosaic Lodge in Danvers, Massachusetts, bringing you Volume 52. Number 1. From January 1974. Benjamin Franklin, 1706 to 1790. Written by Brother Ronald E. Heaton. There is no greater American. Thus, did right worshipful brother James R. Case, Grand Historian of the Grand Lodge of Connecticut, acclaim Benjamin Franklin, the subject of this short talk bulletin. Living in the same age with Washington, Jefferson, the Adams, the Lees, Dickinson, Hamilton, Robert Morrison, one might well ask what was there about Franklin which placed him in this preeminent position among his contemporaries. Franklin's beginnings were like many others of the same period. The memorial volume published by the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania in 1906 makes this pertinent comment on page 33. Quote, Benjamin was the only distinguished member of a family of 15. The rest had no ambition, and none of them rose above mediocrity. End quote. He was nearly 70 years of age and well past the prime of his life when the greatest service to his country began. After a full life of service to Pennsylvania as a printer and publisher, fireman, soldier, politician, and statesman, public-spirited citizen, world traveler, and Freemason. A leader in the early years of the colonies, efforts to secure proper recognition from Great Britain he was in the forefront in all movements to organize and make effective a union of the colonies. His own autobiography and later definitive biographies of his life and work relate without adornment his full life. His papers now being published will further reveal his worldwide stature and status. Here, we can only set down in an orderly fashion some of the outstanding achievements in this long life of service. Franklin was born in Boston, January 17, 1706. After serving an apprenticeship with his brother in the printing business, he left Boston for Philadelphia, arriving there in October 1723. He found work at once as a journeyman printer, and after an 18-month stay in London, returned to Philadelphia in 1726, his home for the rest of his life. We find him organizing the Junto Club in 1727, and with Hugh Meredith began publishing the Pennsylvania Gazette in September 1729. By 1730, he was the sole owner of a printing business. Do you recall Franklin's description of his entrance into Philadelphia? In his autobiography, he relates he was, In my work, dress, dirty, Pockets were stuffed out with shirts and stockings, fatigue, bought with three great puffy rolls, walked off with a roll under each arm, and eating the other, went up Market Street. 
passing by the door of Mr. Reed, my future wife's father, when she, standing at the door, saw me and thought I made a most awkward, ridiculous appearance. Seven years later, on September 1st, 1730, Franklin married Deborah Reed. He helped found the Philadelphia Library Company in 1731, was chosen clerk of the Pennsylvania Assembly in 1736. That same year, the Union Fire Company was formed, and a year later he was appointed deputy postmaster at Philadelphia. About this time, Franklin began to be interested in public affairs. His autobiography records, I began now to turn my thoughts to public affairs, beginning, however, with small matters. The Franklin stove was invented in 1742. A plan he proposed in 1743 for an academy was adopted in 1749 and developed into the present University of Pennsylvania. Another major accomplishment was his proposal to establish a philosophical society in the city in 1744. On January 1, 1748, Franklin retired from active participation in his printing business. He was 42 years old and wanted to devote his life to science and public affairs. He served as a member of the Philadelphia Council in 1748 and later as an alderman of the city. He aided in the founding of the Pennsylvania Hospital in 1751, and it is recorded in his Pennsylvania Gazette that he was chosen president of the managers of the hospital on July 3, 1755. He helped organize the first fire insurance company in the city. In 1752, his famous kite experiment showed that lightning is an electrical discharge. His fame was spreading. In 1753, he was honored with the degree of master's from Harvard, July, and Yale in September. That same year, he was appointed deputy postmaster general of the 13 colonies. The College of William and Mary honored him with a master's degree in April 1756. In 1754, more honors. He was elected a Fellow of the Royal Society in England. It was also in that year, with John Penn and Secretary Peters, Pennsylvania's third delegates to the Albany Congress, that Franklin proposed a plan of union for the colonies under one government. He was sent to London as an agent of the Pennsylvania Assembly, arrived there July 26, 1757, and received additional honors. The University of St. Andrews, Scotland, conferred the degree of Doctor of Laws on him, February 12, 1759. On April 30, 1762, he was awarded the degree of Doctor of Civil Laws by the University of Oxford. Shortly thereafter, he returned to Philadelphia and was later appointed Agent in England by the Assemblies of Georgia. 1768, in New Jersey, 1769, and in Massachusetts, 1770. While a member of the Second Continental Congress in 1775, he offered an outline of plan of union of the colonies, which was not acted on. The colonies were then moving toward a break with Great Britain. With the adoption of Richard Henry Lee's resolution that the colonies ought to be free and independent states, Franklin, a delegate to the Congress, was appointed a member of the committee to draft the Declaration of Independence. 
on its adoption, he signed that state paper. After the Declaration, most colonies adopted constitution for governing their own affairs, and Franklin was chairman of the committee which framed the Constitution for Pennsylvania in 1776. Again, in 1776, Franklin, as well as Silas Dean and Arthur Lee, were appointed commissioners to France to negotiate a treaty of commerce and friendship. During the following year, the committee obtained financial assistance and sent military officers to America to help prosecute the war for independence. One result of this effort was to secure the services of von Steuben and Lafayette. Due also to Franklin's efforts, the Treaty of Alliance and the Commercial Treaty with France were signed on February 6, 1778. The news of this much-needed assistance and friendship reached General Washington and his army at Valley Forge on May 5th, and the next day the army celebrated with a feu de joie, a great rejoicing. Secretary of State John Hay, who served in the cabinets of President William McKinley and Theodore Roosevelt, has said of this treaty, and I quote, The act of France gave us a standing abroad which we had hitherto lacked. Even before 1775, we were a nation, but until our treaties with France, the world regarded us a rebellion. This was the first time the newborn nation was recognized by a foreign power. In 1778, Franklin was appointed minister plenipotentiary to the court of France. Here he was to play a most important part in the affairs of his country. His wit, common sense, and diplomacy won for the colonies additional aid from France. By the end of 1779, France had loaned the colonies a total of 4 million livres. At the end of the war, he was named with John Jay and John Adams to negotiate peace with Great Britain. Franklin received a gift from the King of France before leaving for home. Quote, I received from the king at my departure the present of his picture, set round with diamonds, usually given to ministers plenipotentiary, who have signed any treaties with the court, and it is at the disposition of Congress to whom be pleased to present my dutiful respects. End quote. On his return to Philadelphia in September 1785, he was qualified as a counselor of the city and in October 18th was elected president of the council. In the same month, he was chosen president of Pennsylvania and was re-elected in 1786 and 1787 and then retired from public life in 1788. The Articles of Confederation, which Franklin had co-sponsored, were finally adopted by the colonies on March 1, 1781. The war for independence was successfully carried to a conclusion with the surrender of Cornwallis at Yorktown, October 19, 1781. The union of the colonies was effected, but not effective. The Articles did not provide a workable form of government for the newly formed nation. Congress did not have the power to enforce its orders, which were often ignored by the states. Commerce between the states was restricted by high tariffs. A meeting of delegates 
the Annapolis Convention, in September 1786, suggested that commissioners meet in Philadelphia on the second Monday in May 1787 to devise such further provisions as shall appear to them necessary to render the constitution of the federal government adequate to the exigencies of union. Congress received the report and resolved on February 17, 1787, that it is expedient that a convention of delegates be held in Philadelphia for the sole and express purpose of revising the Articles of Confederation. That convention produced our present Constitution. Franklin was a delegate from Pennsylvania, and along with 30 other delegates signed the paper on September 17, 1787. Now, Franklin was nearing the end of his long and useful life. A fall suffered in December 1787 at the age of 81 curtailed his activities, so as not to be capable of writing for several weeks. In 1788, still thinking ahead, he expressed the hope of completing his autobiography. If I live to see this year expire, I may employ some leisure which I promise to employ in the work. You do me the honor to urge so earnestly. Franklin's last paper was written November 9, 1789, an address to the public from Pennsylvania Society for promoting the abolition of slavery and the relief of free Negroes unlawfully held in bondage. His last letter was written to Thomas Jefferson on April 8, 1790. On Saturday, April 17, 1790, he died in Philadelphia in his 85th year. Franklin's interest in Freemasonry begins in 1730, a few months before he had become a Mason. Twenty-four years old at the time, he was publishing the Pennsylvania Gazette in Philadelphia. The December 8, 1730 issue contained an alleged expose of Freemasonry. Franklin, inquisitive and a reliable reporter, mentions that there were several lodges of Freemasons in Pennsylvania. To think was to act for him, and we find him receiving the degrees of Masonry in Philadelphia early in the following year. Franklin served Freemasonry for nearly 60 years. While we do not yet know definitely just when he was made a Mason, records extant show that he was initiated in St. John's Lodge in Philadelphia before the end of the legal year 1731, probably in February. The memorial volume published by the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania records the Masonic career of Benjamin Franklin extends over a period of almost 60 years, during which time he was accorded the highest Masonic honors at home and abroad. In these days of long service before a brother receives recognition in Grand Lodge, it is interesting to note that Franklin was elected Junior Grand Warden on June 24, 1732, and had also been appointed to the committee to draft bylaws of his own lodge in that same year. Two years later, June 24, 1734, his election as Grand Master of Pennsylvania was duly recorded in the Pennsylvania Gazette. Under date of June 27th, Monday, last a Grand Lodge of the Ancient and Honorable Society of Free and Accepted Masons in this province was held at the Tun Tavern in Water Street when Benjamin Franklin, being elected Grand Master for the year on suing, appointed Mr. John Carp to be his deputy. 
and James Hamilton Esquire and Thomas Hopkinson, gents, were chosen wardens. In that same year, he advertised his, quote, Mason book, a reprint of Anderson's The Constitutions of Freemasons, the first Masonic book printed in America. Tradition, with no foundation in fact, asserts that during Franklin's term as Grand Master, the cornerstone of the Pennsylvania State House, today we know it as Independence Hall, was laid by him and his Masonic brethren. The Pennsylvania Gazette records his appointment as Provincial Grand Master on June 27, 1734. He also served his own lodge as Secretary from 1735 to 1738. On August 29, 1734, the Tun Tavern Lodge addressed a petition to him as Provincial Grand Master for a deputation to conduct a lodge. More Masonic honors came to him in 1749, when he was again appointed Provincial Grand Master of Masons in Pennsylvania. Deposed shortly thereafter, he was immediately appointed Deputy Grand Master by Brother William Allen, the new Provincial Grand Master. During his tenure of service in that situation, he was a member of the committee for building the Freemasons Lodge in Philadelphia, visited the Tun Tavern Lodge, and was present at a session of the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts on October 11, 1754. He played a prominent part on June 24, 1755, and in the dedication of Freemasons Lodge in Philadelphia, the first Masonic building in America. He was again elected Provincial Grand Master in 1760, and later that year, November 17, 1760, was present at Grand Lodge in London, England, and entered upon the minutes as Provincial Grand Master. While in France, he became affiliated with Masonic Lodges there. In 1777, he was elected a member of the Lodge of Nine Sisters, or Muses. As a member of that lodge, he assisted at the initiation of Voltaire, April 7, 1778, and a few short months later, officiated at the Masonic funeral service of that brother. He was elected Venerable Worshipful Master of the Lodge in 1779. He also became a member of the Order of de Saint Jean de Jerusalem and served as Venerable Worshipful Master of that Lodge in 1785. He was elected as Honorary Member of the Lodge de Bon Ami, Good Friends, Rouen in 1785. It was during this stay in France that Franklin enjoyed close Masonic contact with his brethren there. Strangely enough, Franklin does not mention his Masonic activities in his autobiography or correspondence. He did keep the public informed of Masonic activities through his newspaper. On his return from France in 1785, Franklin, a modern Mason in early life, found conditions of the Masonic jurisdiction very much changed. The Grand Lodge and subordinate lodges, which he had been associated with in his early years, had now ceased to exist. A new Grand Lodge of the province of Pennsylvania and the territories thereunto belonging had replaced the modern lodges. Younger generations had adopted the work of the ancients and were about ready to declare themselves a sovereign Grand Lodge, independent of all ties with the Grand Lodge of England. 
That action on September 26, 1786, brought about the formation of the Right Worshipful Grand Lodge of the Most Ancient and Honorable Fraternity of Free and Accepted Masons of Pennsylvania and Masonic Jurisdiction thereunto belonging. The present Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania. Franklin was then virtually an unaffiliated Mason in his own jurisdiction. He never was active nor had any official connection with the present Grand Lodge. It is safe to assume that he was invited to affiliate with the ancients, but age, physical ailments, and duties of the public nature may have made him decline. Probably for this reason, there was no Masonic service when he was buried in Christ Church Burial Ground, 5th and Arch Streets in Philadelphia, on Wednesday, April 21, 1790. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast. Produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853. 